0: This week, uh, filling the pulpit for us from the BGCT, the Baptist General Convention of Texas, is uh, Dr. Bruce McCoy. Now, he told me not to put the doctor in there, but he does have his doctorate, and uh, it didn't take us very long sitting back there with him, and he's just a good old boy from Kennedale, Texas, is where he lives. I think he's uh, ranged up north and around a few different places, but we're sure glad he's here to bring the word today. It's all yours. Oh, I love Him. Thought I'd wake you up. How I adore Him! My breath, my sunshine, my all in all. The Great Creator became my Savior. And all God's fullness dwelleth in the Amen. Amen. Well, it's great to see you all here today. And don't worry, I'll be like Elizabeth Taylor said to her last husband. Don't worry, sweetheart, I won't keep you here very long. But it's great to be here. I've now lived in Texas, coming up on ten years. Love it, love it. I pastored up in Missouri for about fourteen years and was a music guy in a church down in Florida for about eighteen years. We lived in Clearwater, Florida. But I'm just delighted to get it. My brother lives in Illinois, he is jealous, so I get to live in Texas. And we absolutely have found where we belong. I kind of think Texas might just be the promised land. What do you think? I'm here to tell you. I was out in West Texas, and you've probably heard this, but I hadn't heard it before. But there was a fellow out in West Texas, and I was preaching out in Pecos, Texas. Every place else in the country calls it Pecos. And uh, when I got out there, I learned how I'm so glad I know how to say Pecos texas i go around and find ways to say it just to show i belong here now you know and but when i was out there the guy just gave me one of that dry sense of humor and he said well you know my dog ran away it's a flat around here i watched him run away for three days and he could just see so far anyway i'm so glad to be in texas because i know how to say pecos and and Terrell and Waxahachie, Texas. I'm just kind of starting to fit in and just love it here in Texas. But I was out in uh, San, Die- San Diego area one time. I was out there to sing and preach and all. And when I was there, I was filling up my rental car gas, and they have a lot of tourists out there, out there, as you might imagine. And there was a young fellow there kind of helping, assisting people, And this fellow filling up his gas, he's kind of talking to the fellow. He goes, oh, I sure love being out here in this, they're in the suburbs. I like being out here in this little town called El Cajon. And the gas attendant looked at him, you know, they have great Spanish influence out there. And he said, no, it's, it's El Cajon. The J is silent. Well, I'm staying in a hotel over here in La Jolla. He said, it's La Jolla. The J's are silent. And he said, well, I got family up here, and I'm going to be going up to San Jose before I fly home. And finally, the guy just had had it with these tourists. He said, he said sir, let me help you with something. The J is silent. It's San Jose. You got a hotel in uh, La Jolla, and you're standing right here in El Cajon. And uh, well, that, about that time, really, he realized he'd come on a little too strong. And so he tried to back it up a little bit, and he said, trying to be friendly, he says, well, sir, I didn't think to ask you. And he smiled real big. How long are you going to be staying around here in California? Well, by that time, the tourist was rattled. He just was trying to have fun. He goes, well, we're going to go home around Hooner, Hulai. <laughs> Sometimes it's just hard to fit in. And it's just better, I'll tell you what, uh, Any, I heard several musicians out there, and I appreciate you so much. I had a music teacher tell me one time, the the. the the best thing you can do in life is the hardest key to play. Just be natural. In be natural, you have more sharps, and you've got to be at your best on every note. But just be natural, and you will. Well, now, that's our sermon. Let's all go home. Some are going, well, <laughs> I like this guy. No, I'm sorry. We're going to stay just a little bit longer. In a moment, we're going to turn ask you to turn uh, to Revelation chapter 1. Today I want to share with you a message, God's final call. I like to have a good time, but it's time to get serious. It seems quite clear that we're living in the last days. Just take a look at our national landscape. The levels of anger in America have escalated to a shrill rage. America, once the envy of the world, the melting pot, is now boiling over. She's suffering from acute heart failure. Our pulse for God is weakening, and the arteries of our religious faith seem blocked. What we need is a spiritual bypass. And if, by the way, you hear anything today you particularly like, you've prob- I've probably gotten it from either my, my dad, who's now in heaven, was a wonderful preacher, or the writings of Dwight Pentecost, John Walvert, or one of my favorite writers, author Stephen Lawson. It was Stephen Lawson who pointed out in his book, Final Call, that our nation's problems are spiritual. But like the world around us, the soul of America is dying. Our pulse for God is weakening. The arteries of our religious faith are blocked with the plaque of opinion-based theology and convictions based purely on convenience. What we need is a spiritual bypass. Better yet, we need A transformed heart and folks it's election year but the hope of America really does not lie in Congress as important as it is who wins the presidency in our next election the hope of America does not lie in who is president or who gets uh, nominated for the Supreme Court ladies and gentlemen the hope of America lies to in to your right and to your left and to the person you see in the mirror. It, it, the hope of America lies in our churches today. Now it is time to hear from Jesus Christ and hear God's final call. You know, it's been said the, the, the birth pains of our nation are, are, are similar uh, to what the church is today. April 18th, 1775, Boston slept and the hour was desperate. British ships were anchored in the harbors there in Boston, and they were poised to unleash their organized fury on a young and sleeping nation. It was the midnight ride of Paul Revere. It was a daring dash through the countryside, and the history of our nation was changed. And on that dark night, he sounded forth the call, and America woke up and became vigilant for freedom. Ladies and gentlemen, it's midnight again. Our enemy is poised and is more dangerous than the British redcoats. And he's anchored himself in the, in the harbors of our local churches. Well, who is this enemy And set to unleash his organized fury? It is Satan himself who's coming, trying to come after us. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That is, that's not them attacking, that's us going. And the gates of hell will not prevail against us. We go with the gospel and share the light of his word and the gates of hell and the darkness gets dispelled. All we've got to do is go proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Only one army has the power to halt this enemy's advance and it is the army of the meek God's church who is awake and not asleep. But like America on the night of Paul Revere's ride, our churches, sadly, are largely asleep. We're comfortably tucked into our padded pews, anesthetized to the painful national wounds of our sins. In Revelation chapter 1, we see that the call of God goes out again, using the very words of Christ, with the voice of a mighty trumpet, The Lord is calling His people to Himself to proclaim God's final call. With nail-pierced hands, cupped, riding a white horse, He is proclaiming this final call to us. So here, in Revelation chapter 1, we reveal God's final call. Take a look at verse 1 and 2. This call comes from the Lord Himself. Revelation 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to all things that he saw. Folks, this is, John, this is God's word, not John's. It's a sovereign call. What does that big fancy word mean, sovereign it means God can do anything He wants. It's a sovereign call from Almighty God who is all-powerful. And it's, it's not an optional call. It calls for an undivided allegiance. Look at verse 3. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. Answering God's call always leads to a blessing you know many view the book of revelation kind of like winston churchill viewed the russians it's a little tang tangler to say it but as i recall he said the russians were like a riddle inside a mystery wrapped up in an enigma well god promises uh, a special blessing to those who answer i'm sorry you let that baby cry it's all right she probably got a good, good look at me without my mask. And that's what can I tell you. This is all I got to go with right here. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace. Now, these words are what I call Sunday school words. I learned to call that from one of my Sunday school teachers. He said, oh, that's just a Sunday school word. What's it really mean? Grace to you. Grace means getting better than you deserve. Now, I grew up as a boy on the playgrounds of St. Louis. I know what it is to a bully, for a bully to look at me and say, You're going to get what's coming to you. But you know what? I had a big brother standing nearby. I was so cocky when my brother John was around. I was insufferable. But you know what I got from my brother? I got mercy. He helped me avoid what was coming to me. That's mercy, but grace is even better than mercy. It's getting better than you deserve. Grace to you and peace from Him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before the throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth to Him, who loved us and washed us from our sins with his own blood. And he has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. In John's day, Roman citizenship was for the privileged few. But in Christ, believers are citizens of heaven already. Did you know that? Ordinary fishermen like John were made distinguished citizens of heaven. Christ's call is a sovereign call with authority over every voice that clamors for our attention. Look at verse 7. We find out the final call is an urgent call. Behold, he is coming with clouds and every eye will see him. And they who are pierced also who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn. Because of him, they'll realize they had it wrong. As he comes, they'll see, oh, woe is me. I had it all wrong about Jesus. I thought he was just a swear word. And here he comes as the sovereign almighty. And they will mourn because of it. Even so, amen. Folks, the curtain is ready to fall with finality on the theater of human history. Look at that verse 7 again. It doesn't say, as they say in Texas, he's fixing to come. It says he is coming. He's in the process of coming. He's arranging all the pieces. Did you know all you need to do is get on your your iPad, your device, or a local paper and find out that the bear of the north that's prophesied in in Ezekiel 38, the bear of the north, which is uh, due north of what is north, North is north of Jerusalem. And you go north of Jerusalem and you see a place called Magog in the Old Testament. Well, Magog just changed its name now. It's Moscow. And did you know that Russia, the forces of Russia, are in Damascus right now? They're in Syria. This is old news by now. They've been there for a while. They're just about 90 miles from Jerusalem. But take heart. Israel's going to win. We see it here in, in uh, the book of Revelation. But he is coming. The hour is late. And he could come at any moment. Now that ought to make you want to shout. Unless you don't know the Lord. I'm here to tell you something. It's later than it's ever been. Reminds me of that couple. That went to bed one night. And the grandfather clock in the darkness. Went absolutely berserk. It, it chimed 11 times. 12. 13. Fourteen, fifteen, sixteen o'clock. Finally in the darkness, the sweet little lady, married many decades to her husband, reached out and touched him on the back. Honey, what time is it? Reassuringly, he said, I don't know, darling, but it's later than it's ever been. And that's the truth. It is later than he, it's ever been. Not he will come. He is coming. Christ's return is imminent. He could come at any time. only the Father knows. You see these folks setting dates. They don't know what they're talking about. Listen, uh, I can tell you a lot of things have fallen into place for Christ to come again. But the truth is only the Father knows when He turns to His Son and says, as the poet wrote, Go bring my family home to me. Well, look at verse 8. We'll see who is coming. Verse 8, it says, I am the Alpha. And Omega. Now, that's just a way of saying the Greek alphabet. I am A to Z. I'm the, be- the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. And we know it's also an unexpected call. Look at verse number 9. As it says, I, John, both your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the isle called Patmos, for the why? For the crime of preaching the Word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. The Isle of Patmos was a, a rocky island off the coast of what's called today modern day Turkey. And it was at this darkest, most isolated hour that John received the final and unexpected call. Now there's a moment to pause here and realize in the isolation when it seemed like nothing was happening, God reached out and gave to John this massive vision that we find reading in Revelation of the end times. The church looked like a defeated movement. Often, it's when we are suffering and feel forgotten that God speaks to us. You see, the glory of Pentecost was just a forgotten, long-ago memory. The glory of the church was now faded and they were dispersed and the disciples had moved to all different parts of the world and and, and like Thomas went to India. Don't ever call Thomas Doubting Thomas. Once upon a time he doubted, but after he saw, Jesus said, Blessed are you who have seen, but blessed are those like you who have not seen and yet believed. But you know, I learned to grow up calling him Doubting Thomas. You probably did too. Did you know that Thomas went to the subcontinent of India? And he preached the gospel and they said, You'd better keep quiet or we're going to skin you. You've ever heard that term? They literally did it. They flayed the skin off of him and he died of shock. But he preached the gospel. That's not a doubter. That's who once was a doubter whose life was changed and went on for God. We tend to always... Look at somebody and remember them for their worst moment. Listen, let's get off Thomas's back for a little bit and realize he went out and was faithful. What's the worst thing you've ever done? Don't say it. Because God has forgiven it if you're in Christ. Don't you call yourself the worst moment you ever did. You're a forgiven child of God. And you have got this gospel to proclaim. The Lord Jesus Christ is giving to us His final call no matter what you've ever done, you can be forgiven and you go on and become a messenger for the Lord Jesus Christ. I just might shout when I get in my car and drive home over that one. I mean, that's a glorious thing. Listen, when I got saved, even the dog could tell a difference in our home. That's a true story. I was 17 years old and I was entirely changed. The next morning, <clears throat> one of my best friends, Steve, looked at me and went, what happened to you? I got misty-eyed and told him I came to Christ last night. And you know how they do and public all that. That's nice, Bruce. That's good. You know, kind of hope I don't get any on me kind of a thing. But he, he later, he got it. He got the Lord Jesus Christ in his life and he's living for him to this very day. I want you to know God is speaking to you today. Maybe an unexpected encounter with Christ through the Holy Spirit at this moment. The Lord is calling you, some of you, to serve Him, to live for Him. Y'all, you don't have to go to seminary and, and learn all kinds of stuff. You can just wake up tomorrow and start living for Him. Start reading the Bible. Start sharing Christ with others. But maybe some are being called to serve Him full time. If so, I hope you'll surrender to God's final call. But look at verse 10. It's a compelling call. Verse 10, he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard uh, behind me a loud voice as the sound of a trumpet. And then we've read verse 11, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches. To the seven churches. Give God's final call to the Churches. Why wouldn't he go make an appointment with the emperor? Start from the top down instead of the bottom up. Well, because God has always chosen to use the local church. Ever since the resurrection and the day of Pentecost, God has used a local church. He's using this one right here. Right now, in this very place, When you leave out of here, you still go and you be the church. Well, why these seven churches listed in verse 11? Because our Lord says to them and what he speaks to these seven churches, he speaks to all types of churches, even to this day, from the first century and to all subsequent churches. I want you to know that every experience in John's life was preparatory for this moment in his life just like every experience you've had good and bad has been preparatory for this moment to receive god's final call and to live the rest of your days for him this final call must be trumpeted into our neighborhoods to our culture and to the world this call goes out until the lord himself descends from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of god Then the dead in Christ will rise first, and we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We'll be raptured up to heaven, we'll be with Him in the land of unclouded day. But it's midnight in America again. Now God's final call must go out. And folks, that is why Texas Baptists join together. That's why we give. We're not just a bunch of fundraisers to raise money. Oh, no. Instead, we are together and we work together. We call it cooperating. That's our lingo for the fact that we give to the Lottie Moon a Christmas offering that goes entirely to missionaries. That's why we give, my church gave 10% of their uh, undesignated receipts to the Cooperative Program. That's a program that funds all of our mission work all across Texas and throughout North America, indeed around the world. That Cooperative Program has one of the the largest river ministry in the world. Did you know last year we had more than a Pentecost on our river ministry? What am I talking about? 3,000 souls came to Christ at Pentecost. Did you know more than 3,000 souls came to Christ on the Texas Baptist River Ministry all across the Rio Grande just this last year? How many think that makes a difference to heaven? Yes, it does. And we come together. We can do more together than we could ever do Alone, While our nation's spiritual future hangs precariously in the balance, God's church must not sleep. The struggle for the soul of America escalates, and only the church can stem the tide of this darkness. And that battle is won, not by might of military, not by power that money brings to us, but by my spirit, says the Lord, Zechariah 4, 6. Well, whatever became of Paul Revere? Did you know he became a silversmith? He set up a foundry and he made church bells. Yeah, he made almost 400 church bells, most of them weighing an incredible 500 pounds. I am told that almost 100 of those ring throughout New England's steeples to this day. So, in a sense, the influence of Paul Revere still resonates across New England through its churches this day. Senior adults, I want to thank you for your faithfulness of bringing us this far in your godliness in your faithful service as leaders uh, in the the church of Jesus Christ and in your faithful giving to the cooperative program you know that someday death's steely grip will take you through eternity's portal and we will breathe our last and at that moment We hope we can see our Lord Jesus Christ. We see the nail prints in His hands, and He brings us together and calls us home. And before that, though, when that day comes, I hope you will have left a planned gift for your local church, for your association, perhaps, certainly for your family, of course. But, you know, Texas Baptist Missions Foundation could help if you don't have that. You can just get on our website and find them and they can find, show you how to do all of that. But I want to thank you as well for your support to the cooperative program so that we guarantee college scholarships to those who want to go to nearby Howard Payne and some other schools here in Texas Baptist Life that they can go to, that the river ministry keeps going, that we have uh, a ministry for uh, children who have been orphaned And we have a place for them. And uh, senior adult care and all these things we do together in churches just like you. 5,000, over 5,000 of them just like you. Who give just a small percentage of your annual receipts so that together so much gets done of effectual ministry across this state. The next generation is why we do it. It's been true since Pentecost, Christianity's but one generation away from extinction. That's why churches like yours have children's church, so they can understand the gospel at their level. I was at a church one time dedicated just like you were to do that, and they had a lot of steps on the leading up to the platform. And they had a senior adult fellow who was a wonderful gifted preacher and still preaching with great passion and fire, and the congregation just loved him, and he loved the kids. And he had these children before they left. He put them up on the staircase before they left for children's church. And he gave them a little object lesson about once a month. And he stood there and he said, now, boys and girls, I want to tell you about someone who lives in your backyard. They looked at him. Somebody living in our back. Yeah, boys and girls, he lives in your backyard and he likes to climb trees. They kind of still looked at it, and they kind of mumbled together. Boys and girls, he lives in your backyard. He likes to climb trees, and he has a bushy tail. Still no takers. Finally, he goes, boys and girls, can you not figure out? He lives in your backyard. He likes to climb trees. He has a bushy tail, and he likes to eat nuts. Finally, a little third grader boy became a self-appointed spokesman for the group, and he raised his hand, and his face looked like he just smelled something bad. And he said, pastor... We all know the answer is supposed to be Jesus, but it sure sounds like a squirrel to me. <laughs> Sometimes that's what we do with the gospel. We gum it all up with all kinds of fancy things, and all we've got to do is it's like being a doctor. What does that mean? It means I don't know very much. It means I had to study to find out I wasn't all that smart. But all we've got to do is, is tell them the gospel of Jesus Christ, and now it is time. For you, I see so many young faces here. You get my age, a lot more young faces than people my age, I guess. But I look around and I see it's time for the next generation to rise. You can rise like the poet and proclaim, we will carry the torch of the gospel. We will lift high the flame. We will march through the darkness with the light of his name until the glory of God is seen by the world. We will carry the torch of The Lord. If the world is to escape this real place called hell, it will be because we have made clear God's final call. Now, a new generation of minute men and women need to rise and proclaim God's final call. Perhaps the Lord is calling you to prepare for this battle. God's final call needs to be sounded loudly, personally urgently and very clear. It's left up to us to proclaim God's final call. And what would we say? It could be just as simple and clear as this. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son so that whosoever believes in Him. Some people believe only just a certain few are going to believe. No, Jesus said it, so that whosoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. You may be here what you thought was for one reason, but it's actually for another. You may be here because Jesus Christ wants you to have one last opportunity to hear God's final call. Stephen Adams is one of my favorite songwriters from uh, a few years ago, and he wrote a magnificent song, Down the Hallways of Time. There's echoed God's call to the lonely, to the lost the oppressed. Christ says, you who are weary, just come unto me, for I love you, and I will give you rest. Rest for the weary. Hope for the discouraged. Drink to the thirsty. Faith to the doubter. Revival to the church. And eternal life to the one who will answer God's final call. John W. Peterson wrote it this way. Someday you'll hear God's final call to you to face his offer of salvation true. This could be it, my friend, if you but knew God's final call, God's final call. Let's pray. Today we have heard God's final call. Our musicians are coming. We're going to sing. There may be someone here today. I don't know you. So don't be offended if you've already come to Christ. We're just thankful you have. But there may be somebody here today who has never responded to the gospel. And you'd like to come and accept God's final call. We're going to have, I'll be down here, and maybe some others will join me to pray with you if you need prayer. There are others here today, maybe the Lord is calling you to answer God's final call. You want to serve Him. Others today. You haven't quite been what you should have been in your Christian life, and the Holy Spirit's telling you that, I'm not. And you just want to draw closer to Him and refresh the rest of your life to renew your spirit with the Lord as a believer to say, from this moment on, I am going to be proclaiming God's final call. Father, help us today, even where we sit or stand, to to decide, to make decisions, to be cleansed, to be right with you and to serve you with faithfulness this day.